This is a Rabble Podcast Network show. New voices in your head. It's Radio Free Radio. Hello and welcome to Alert Radio for people who want to change the world. I'm Jeff Hughes and my co-host Chris Albee will be returning next week. On the program this week, we have an interview with Kanan, who is discussing the case of a piracy off the coast of Somalia, which we got from YouTube, and we'll be bringing you that, as well as an interview with Kathleen Connors. She is the past president of the Canadian Federation of Nurses, and she'll tell you about the issues she has with the president of the CMA, the Canadian Medical Association, and the campaign to save public health care. Finally, a discussion with Aris Karafotias. Now, that is a pseudonym, and he will be talking to us about the uprising that's happening now in the streets of Greece and relating that to the untold stories of the civil war in the 1940s and the demonstration and political uprising that helped end corrupt government in the 1970s. We'll also have Music is the Weapon, the alert headlines, and Around the Left in Seven Days. And these are the alert headlines for April 16th, 2009. Unionized workers at a Quebec Walmart store now have their first collective agreement, a first in North America. It is the culmination of an effort that took nearly four years. A Quebec, a Quebec arbitrator approved the two-year deal for employees at the St. Hyacinth Walmart east of Montreal last week. Some 200 workers at the store received their union accreditation in January 2005, but called on an arbitrator when contract negotiations with Walmart stalled. The new agreement includes a 30 cent per hour wage increase on a yearly basis for the next two years. In April 2005, Walmart shut down its store in Saguenay, Quebec, after working, workers unionized. 200 workers lost their jobs then. A group of Canadian Jews will attend the Durban Review of the World Conference Against Racism in Geneva to be held from April 20th to 24th. The group, Independent Jewish Voice, declared that they are doing so because they are concerned about all expressions of racism. They say that it is a tragic turn of history that the State of Israel, which espouses ideals of democracy and portrays itself as a safe haven for Jews, causes immeasurable suffering and injustice to the Palestinian people. They continue that, ironically, the result is less and less security for the people of Israel. Meanwhile, the Haaretz Daily reports that the U.S. will also likely attend the Durban Review, contrary to its earlier posture. The Canadian Union of Postal Workers has declared its support for the boycott, divestment and sanctions on Israel until that country abides by numerous United Nations resolutions. CUPW wants justice for Israelis and Palestinians, which means that Arab and Palestinian workers must have the same rights as Israeli workers. Israel must withdraw from the occupied territories of the West Bank and Gaza. All residents of Israel and Palestine must have the right to live in peace, the so-called security wall must be dismantled, and Israel demolitions of Palestinian homes must cease. 
CUPW thus joins other unions in calling for boycott, divestments, and sanctions against Israel, which includes the Ontario Division of CUPE and the Irish Trade Union Confederation. Only 53% of the American adults believe capitalism is better than socialism. The latest Rasmussen Report's National Telephone Survey found that 20% say socialism is better, while 27% say they're not sure. Adults under 30 are essentially evenly divided, 30-somethings a bit more supportive of their free enterprise approach, 30-somethings a bit more supportive of the free enterprise approach, and adults over 40 strongly favor capitalism. Investors, by a 5-to-1 margin, choose capitalism. As for those who do not invest, 40% say capitalism is better, while 25% prefer socialism. Republicans favor capitalism by an 11-to-1 margin. Amongst Democrats, 30% prefer socialism. A delegation of seven British Labour members of Parliament and trade union leaders from the U.S., Canada and Britain say they were in a state of shock over what they heard during a week-long fact-finding mission to Colombia. The mission, consisting of a parla- of parliamentary and labor leaders, accused the government of right-wing President Alvaro Urube of being an accomplice of crimes against humanity. Colombia has been in the grip of a civil war since 1964, when the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, known as FARC, and the National Liberation Army guerrillas rose up in arms. An October 2008 report by Amnesty International states that 1,300 civilians were killed outside of combat in 2006, 1,400 in 2007. Clark University in Massachusetts canceled a campus talk scheduled for later this month by controversial Holocaust scholar Norman Finkelstein. Finkelstein asserted in his book, Beyond Chutzpah, on the misuse of anti-Semitism and the abuse of history, that Israel uses accusation of anti-Semitism to deflect criticism. The Clark University Students for Palestinian Rights, a student-run group, has had arranged for Finkelstein to speak on April 21st. Hillel, a Jewish campus group, objected to Finkelstein's scheduled appearance. Clark University administration said Finkelstein's presence at the campus would invite controversy and would not promote dialogue or understanding. A Spanish court has initiated criminal proceedings against six former officials of the Bush administration. They may face charges in Spain for authorizing torture at Guantanamo Bay. If arrest warrants are issued, Spain and any of the other 24 countries that are parties to European extradition conventions could arrest these six men when they travel abroad. Spain has the authority to prosecute Americans for crimes that did not take place on Spanish soil under the Conventions of Universal Jurisdiction. Israel used universal jurisdiction to prosecute, convict, and execute Adolf Eichmann for his crimes during the Holocaust, even though they had no direct relationship with Israel. The former chief of the Khmer Rouge's most notorious prison said his group would not have risen to power in the 1970s if it were not for the policies of former U.S. President Richard Nixon and his top diplomat, Henry Kissinger. The former Khmer Rouge leader known as Doik made the comments before Cambodia's Genocide Tribunal during testimony regarding his personal journey to revolution. Doek thus confirmed the views of U.S. critics such as Noam Chomsky, who have charged that Washington's policies drew Cambodia into the Vietnam War, destabilizing the country to the point where the Khmer Rouge could take over. 
And those were the alert headlines for the week of April 16th, 2009. And now, Around the Left in Seven Days. For more information on any of the events listed in Around the Left in Seven Days, go to CanadianDimension.com and click on Around the Left in Seven Days. On Wednesday, April 22nd, Rabble.ca hosts 2010, The Greenest Olympics Ever? The public forum is in Vancouver and features Chris Shaw, author of Five Ring Circus, Myths and Realities of the Olympic Games. Tickets are $5 to $10, free for Rabble members. On Friday, April 24th, Manitoba Eco Network hosts Another Eco Evening, a fundraising event featuring comedy, song, slides, and community. The event is at the Franco-Manitoban Cultural Center. Tickets are $20, including refreshments. Also on Friday, April 24th, in Vancouver, Cafe Rebelde and Haiti Solidarity BC present a special showing of a documentary film, Salud. The film looks at Cuba's history of exporting the gains of socialized medicine by training international medical students. The screening will be followed by a discussion led by Haiti Solidarity BC. Admission is by donation. Funds going to the Canada-Haiti Medical Project. In Toronto, a public forum is planned to examine Canada's role and the attack on, Tamil, on the Tamil minority by the government of Sri Lanka. The forum, Sri Lanka, where is it heading? Are there any prospects for justice and peace? Will be held on Saturday, April 25th from 4 to 7 p.m. For more information on any of the events listed in Around the Left in 7 Days, go to CanadianDimension.com and click on Around the Left in 7 Days. This is Alert Radio. I'm Jeff Hughes. Somalian pirates captured four more ships this week in a brazen hijacking spree. Altogether, pirates have attacked 78 ships this year, hijacking 19 of them. 17 ships with more than 300 crew still remain in pirate hands. Each boat carries the potential of a million-dollar ransom. But there's a lot more than ransom money behind the piracy in the Gulf of Aden. Alert Radio found this excellent interview with the Somali-born Canadian rap artist Kanan by Davy D, who explains the background to the piracy. Alert will be featuring the music of Canaan on Music is the Weapon on our next show. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. What you know about the pirates terrorize the ocean? To never know a simple day without a big commotion. It can't be healthy just to live with such a steep emotion. And when I try and sleep, I see coffins closing. The pirate situation in Somalia has been massive in the media, you know what I mean, New York Times front page, that sort of thing. Um, but it never really, it's so interesting to me that it's never really discussed in the way Somalis discuss it. So whenever, I mean because we are the issue that people are talking about, and whenever Somalis get together and talk about pirates, uh, the pirate scenario, that we talk about them as, as if they're coast guards. Of, of the country. We don't talk about them as this evil kind of uh, 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 group that's that's disturbing European trade, um, which we don't really care about too much. It, it, it's like European trade is fine as long as it doesn't 
as long as we get respected in our waters and our territories, our territory and waters has not been respected by the international community for a very long time. Um, there has been mass illegal fishing from foreign vessels that are coming into the country and just taking the resources of the Somali people. But also, even more, even more sinister is that uh, there's foreign vessels coming in and dumping nuclear toxic waste into our shores. And, uh, oh, this is the other side of the story. This is what they don't tell you on CNN. They, they can because it would implicate a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the, the, their legitimate companies that exist here are not so legitimate when they go to places with illegitimate governments. You know, and they they start to behave. You know, they they lose their charm when they get over there. So that's a that's a very accurate description. So you are the Coast Guards, and. This makes perfect sense. I, I mean, you know, for a while I was a little concerned, uh, you know, that maybe I shouldn't be, you know, taking my luxury liner boat over there. But now I didn't realize that when they were driving by the Horn of Africa, passing near Somalia, it wasn't to show us your beautiful country. It was to dump the waste and then go back. Yeah, and it's incredible that what, how 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 crazy that is to dump nuclear toxic waste on people's shores. Because especially we're on the Indian Ocean, and Somalia has the large, the largest coastal uh, running line in Africa, and so it's it's completely unprotectable this area. And so what they've been doing is for a long time, you know, the mobsters that used to be in New York in the fishing industry, a lot of those guys went into the into the into the nuclear toxic waste uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, you know business which sometimes is legitimate and sometimes very, very Ill illegitimate. And so they've been dumping these containers. The thing is, if you dump, uh, there's ways to properly uh, package this stuff and get rid of it and put it in the water and, and all of this. And if you do that, usually you do it in cold waters. But the Indian Ocean is warm water, where it would, where it would have taken um, in the cold water for a container to open up and break apart over a thousand years. In Somalia, in the Indian Ocean, it would take just about a hundred years to open up. So we're looking for, we're looking and facing an environmental disaster affecting the entire region of Eastern Africa, the, this, the, the home of the world's birthplace, basically. And that, that this could have major consequences on the environment and the human uh, lives for generations to come. And you mean to tell me that the U.S. Is, is, and, and, and the Europeans are sending all their Navy power to stop the pirates that we see as those who are stopping that criminal activity. That's kind of the, the problem. You know, we, we've been talking a lot here in the U.S. about green jobs and the green economy. Um, you know, I'll just toss this out here again. It seems like that's a, a pretty green act that the green movement should get behind. And I'm, I'm wondering if more people in the green movement that is running around demanding that Japan stop, har you know, harpooning whales and uh, other folks that are trying to save the polar bears see, you know, saving the Somali coastline and all the resources there in the same light. Yeah, well, they, it's very interesting because the, 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 the fact is that this has gone all the way to the UN um, 
but general uh, the, the UN Security Council it's 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 gotten high up this this issue of Somali uh, the nuclear toxic waste being dumped in Somalia and then completely vetoed and thrown away by major powers and forgotten about and kind of just shoved under a rock which major powers can you name a couple so we can keep them on on tap yeah I think France and the US had had both interest in vetoing this issue uh, and of course France is in the waters the Navy's there I mean it's a major problem and and the I think what's 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 really the sad thing about 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 Somalia and and, and Africa in general uh, when it comes to these kind of progressive movements you have here in the West and in, and in the U.S. Such as the green movement, the environmental culture, and so on. Um, that it, it's once it's black, it, it, green really doesn't matter so much anymore. You know. Um Wow, this is incredible. I think we're just going to have to take a break with a song. And I want people to marinate on that because um, marinate on a couple of things. How distorting the news has been to make it seem like there was a bunch of uh, uncontrolled uh, barbarians running around, you know, just attacking luxury liners. And I guess they didn't tell the story that you all weren't really killing people. You were holding them and, and you know, basically make... Death. Not one death caused by these pirates. Not one injury. In fact, they have such rules, such strict uh, rules, guidelines, these pirate groups, that if you, if you verbally assault a captive, that it, there is a percentage cut off your pay, your future pay. And so they, they very, very well behave and, and, and they know what they're doing. They're very professional, but they were out there initially to protect us. Get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. And then it goes back, and then it goes back, and then it goes back. Oh. Born to a throne, stronger than Rome, but violent prone. Poor people's known, but it's my home. Surrender, retreat So we struggling Fighting to eat And we wondering When we'll be free So patiently wait For that fateful day It's not far away But for now we say When I get older Our thanks to DVD and YouTube for providing us with that content. This is Alert Radio. I'm Jeff Hughes. The Canadian Healthcare Coalition says that Canadians are being misled by the president of the Canadian Medical Association, the CMA, about the threat of privatized for-profit healthcare. The coalition has just launched a cross-Canada campaign to save public healthcare. We have the president of the coalition, Kathleen Connors, on the phone in her home in Newfoundland. Kathleen is a past president of the Canadian Federation of Nurses. Welcome to Alert Radio, Kathleen. It's my pleasure to be able to be with you, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Now, tell our listeners about this latest threat to the public health care system. 
Well, uh, over the years, I think we have seen a gradual erosion around the edges, uh, an increasing uh, incursion, invasion of for-profit uh, health care services, um, probably being provided uh, and paid for by public funds. But what was traditional, uh, traditionally provided by uh, not-for-profit hospitals, uh, many of uh, surgical procedures are now being provided in for-profit uh, uh, facilities outside of the hospital setting in, in these clinics, uh, owned uh, by physicians in many cases, and uh, there's been a real explosion of them in uh, Quebec, particularly in Montreal, in Vancouver, um, and in Toronto. And I think it's important to note that it's in major urban centers, um, so people who live in big cities uh, might well be able to avail themselves of uh, these uh, surgical uh, clinics. But anyone who lives in rural or remote Canada certainly can't. And I would say that they're probably better off uh, because, because they can't, because it will mean uh, an erosion of everybody's services. People will pay more, but most of us will get less. Now, I find it very uh, interesting that you have suggested that the president of the Canadian Medical Association has not been particularly honest or forthcoming. Can you tell us about the campaign that you're planning? Well, we are having a series of uh, town hall meetings uh, across the country over the next number of weeks and months to uh, inviting ordinary Canadians to come out and become uh, involved and knowledgeable about just what is happening to their valued health care system. Uh, we want uh, ordinary Canadians, mums and dads and seniors uh, who have known nothing uh, in most cases of all of their adult life but Medicare to see what is happening to their system and encourage them to become involved in uh, mobilizing to clearly say to provincial and federal governments they, that we want not-for-profit, publicly funded health care. Well, what has the president said of the CMA that you object to specifically? Well, he, he, the last two presidents, quite frankly, Dr. Brian Day from uh, B.C. and now Dr. Robert Ouellette from uh, Quebec, have uh, talked about... Uh, a European health care model uh, that uh, could uh, be introduced into the Canadian system. And um, they talk about bits and pieces from different European countries, but never tell the whole story about what is happening uh, in the countries that they're comparing uh, Canada to they very quickly neglect uh, to talk about the very strong social safety net that is in place in these European countries that in many cases eliminates the need for uh, health uh, and health care intervention for hospitalization. Uh, they talk about specific examples. I'm sure uh, Dr. Ouellette likes to talk about France. 
Well, he doesn't talk about the fact that France has very low-paid doctors, and I'm sure that isn't a model that he would want emulated in the Canadian system. So he's taking uh, bits and pieces and saying, well, we should be implementing a European model. And I don't know that there is a European model because there's a German model and a Swedish model and a Norwegian model. There isn't a blanket model. And uh, we need to, to go into this with our eyes wide open. Kathleen Connors, Connors of the uh, Coalition to Save, well, I'm sorry, the Canadian Healthcare Coalition. Can you tell us what our listeners can do if they want more information about the campaign or the coalition? Well, we've established uh, a specific uh, campaign website. And we, I'd in, uh, encourage you to go to uh, www.medicare.ca and you can get the link. Uh, many of the campaign materials that demystify some of uh, the realities around private for-profit health care are contained. Um, we need to remember the history of the evolution of Medicare in our country. Uh, we need to be able to unbundle these myths about how we will pay more and get less uh, from for-profit clinics, uh, from taking scarce health human resources, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, out of a public system and putting them into a private for-profit system. That will leave the, the, uh, private sy- the public system short of uh, an already short supply of doctors and nurses, and that means longer waits for most of us who can't afford private uh, health insurance. Well, Kathleen Connors, former president of the Canadian Federation of Nurses, thank you very much for your time on this issue of the Canadian health care system. This is Alert Radio, and I'm Jeff Hughes, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. This is Alert Radio for people who want to change the world. I'm Jeff Hughes. After decades of quiet, the streets of Greece are active again. Some call it riots, others call it insurrections. Still others say that the actions turned December into the Greek May, referring to May 1968 and the explosions that rocked parts of Europe and Paris. Well, whatever you call it, it began in early December with the police shooting of a 15-year-old boy, and the actions continued through to January of 2009. We have on the phone from his home in home in London, Ontario, Aris Karafotias, a political and human rights advocate with a degree in sociology and an MBA in in finance. He is, or he has, uh, family members from Elas, the Greek People's Liberation Army, that liberated Greece from the invading fascist forces during World War II and went on to fight a little-known civil war against British and American-backed forces determined to stall a free and fair election after World War II. Well, welcome to Alert Radio, Aris. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Yes, well, uh, that was a lot of history that we packed into a brief moment there. But let's talk about what's happening at the moment, the uh, the Greek riots, or h- how would you describe them? Are they protests? Are they uh, attempted insurrection? Uh, who's involved uh, and why? Um, the Greek riots, yeah, it is a protest, and it is also a revolution. Uh, you have individuals involved, you have student unions, and you also have organized groups. 
what happened in December was there was uh, students and protesters outside the university, which their faculty of law building, as a matter of fact, and they were voicing their concerns towards many issues currently crippling uh, Greece. Uh, the country is drowning in debt, unemployment at astronomical levels, corruption at all levels of the conservative government, privatization, much like the Mike Harris uh, Tory regime did to Ontario, the way they dest um, destroyed our province, uh, police uh, mistreatment of protesters, economic stagnation. What resulted was the police fired shots at the protesters, and one of the bullets caused the death of a 15-year-old boy, Alexander Grigoropoulos. Now, this is not an isolated case, nor is it something that happened in one part of Greece. What resulted was a mass movement throughout the entire country. And I can tell you, like instances in, in March, actually, three instances where one was the public occupied, the Red Cross Hospital, demanding uh, total free health care for all. Uh, dock workers and laid-off workers protested for their lost jobs at the port of Piraeus in Athens. The workers were confronted by special forces who utilized chemical weapons and flashbang grenades on the people. And on the same day, workers of the Ministry of Culture blocked the Acropolis in Athens, demanding their four months' unpaid salaries and reemployment of laid-off workers. That's all the result of a right-wing conservative government. Well, are they actually trying to bring about the fall of the Costas Karamanlis government? Have I got yes. that right? Yes, they did. And they did ask for the Karamanlis government's uh, resignation. Uh, he didn't respond to that. Um, I do believe that the people, they will continue uh, the strikes, riots, and uh, violence in the streets until order is restored or until uh, the, the current government resigns. Well, recently we spoke to a professor about the general strike in France and the rise of the new anti-capitalist party. Um, do you think that this is related to what's happening in Greece? Uh, are the same causes behind it, the, the collapse of the economy and, and government failure to protect citizens? Uh, absolutely, they are related, uh, the collapse of the economy and the failure of the government, um, and also the issues that I just covered. I mean, when you look at, you look at Greece, there, the country prospered and there was peace and there was quiet in the streets in the 80s. Between the period of 1981 to 1989, the PASOK government was in power, led by Andreas Papandreou. That was a socialist government. And in that time period, the socialist government, they expanded health care coverage, they created the national health care system, funding of social establishments for the elderly, schooling became free for everybody, more hospitals were built, and more importantly, a military pension was established and paid to all fighters of Elas, which is the Greek People's Liberation Army, who fought in 1941 to 1949 to liberate the country. And what happened was, when the conservative government came into power in 1990, the first thing they did was abolish the military pension. Now, can you imagine right here in Canada, our government turning around and abolishing the military pensions for all our soldiers and all our retired vets? Think of the consequences. Think of the scandal that would cause. Now, the Greek people, they've been at war since the beginning of time. Strikes, riots, protests, it's nothing new to them. They're going to continue this movement until Karamalis, uh, he restores order or he resigns. So the insurrection is not over. There's uh, still protests, actions, demonstrations happening now. Absolutely. It's, it's happening as we speak. It's been happening since the beginning in time, and it'll happen until the Americans move out of there. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about a couple other uh, periods of time that uh, th little known, but... Um, after, uh, as we implied in our brief introduction, uh, there are, street politics have played a, a very pertinent role in Greek history. In uh, 1973, protests at the Athens Polytechnique uh, helped the 
bring about the downfall of the U.S.-backed dictatorship a year later. You mentioned the relative quiet of the 80s. Um, and uh, this uh, this recovers the period in the 70s. But going further back, uh, not all the way back, but to, to the post-World War II period, Greece was the site of a civil war in which the Greek People's Liberation Army, which had helped liberate Greece uh, from the occupying Italian and German forces, were forced to fight a war against British and American forces determined to see monarchy be the rule, the, the effective government, and uh, return to, uh, to Greece. Now, you have a family connection. Can, can you tell us about uh, your, your, your parents and, and what, they, what role they played in this? Sure. Um, first of all, my parents, my mother and father, were members of the Greek People's Liberation Army. Um, my father at the time was around 15, 16 years old, and his duties were he was considered a runner. So he would be running uh, letters, notes, memos from one base camp to another, be running weapons uh, and clothing, again, from one base camp to another. Uh, my uncles, they were older. Uh, one of my uncles was the captain of his um, of his column. And what their job was to carry out certain operations and certain missions, and they included uh, destruction of railway uh, of railway tracks so the germans and the Amer- uh, the germans weren't weren't able to to pass through their supplies, uh, destruction of bridges. one mo- one of the most notable things that happened, it was the turning point of the war was in um, November of nineteen sixty two. It was the blowing up of the Gorgopotamus Bridge. Now, that bridge was very important because the Germans used that as passage to Athens en route to Africa, and they'd bring their supplies and they'd bring weapons through there. Uh, my uncle was a part of that, that mission, along with the, the main leader of Elas, which was Aris Velochiotis, and they destroyed the Gorgopotamus Bridge, causing tremendous amounts of delays. That caused Hitler to bring a lot of his soldiers from Russia into Greece. So to me, that's a huge victory for the Elas army. Now is a chance for us to talk about the, the tradition of the pseudonym use. Can you tell us why that has been uh, the culture in, in resistance, the Greek resistance movement? Sure. Um, pseudonyms is not something that's, that's uh, used only in, uh, for the Greek Civil War, the Greek Revolution, but it's used in all revolutions throughout the world. Uh, it was used in the Cuban Revolution uh, with the legendary Ernesto Che Guevara. They take pseudonyms for the purpose of the safety of their family. So, for example, if you are in fighting a revolution, you're not going to go in there with your name, John Smith, because they're going to come after your family, not you, because you're well hidden in the mountains or you're hidden in the jungle. They're going to come after your family. They're going to kill, torture, destroy your family to bring you forward, and that's how they get you. So for the safety of your family, your relatives, you take a pseudonym. Can you give us what the, uh, the English translation is of Aris Karafotias? First name Aris comes from uh, the leader of the Greek Liberation People's Army. The leader's name was Aris Velochiotis. Um, most leaders uh, in all revolutions will take a name Aris or will take the name Marcos, and these are m- very common names for uh, heroes. Aris therefore comes from the Greek captain's leader Karapotias. Direct translation means uh, beyond fire or a lot of fire. Iris, can you make the connection between the events of the 40s and the 70s and what's happening today, the insurrection that uh, is prevalent throughout Greece today? Sure. Um, in the 40s, when uh, Greece drove out the invaders, uh, Churchill came in and he wanted to install a monarchy. Uh, the Greek people, what they wanted essentially was a socialist government, and Churchill strongly opposed to it, didn't allow it, and he did bring in the, uh, the monarchy. What's happening today is a similar thing. Uh, you do have a right-wing imperial government in place who has destroyed the economy, who has brought just what I covered earlier as far as uh, unemployment. Um, 
U.S. military bases in the country. The people simply want to simply want to see a socialist government which brought peace into their country as it did in the 80s. But until the U.S. gets out of Greece, there's going to continue to be riots and violence in the streets. Well, we certainly respect your passion on uh, your no- and your knowledge of uh, Greek history. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. But uh, we are going to be posting your essay on the Canadian Dimension website, giving much more details about the history of the 40s and the 70s. So we invite our listeners to read it there. Uh, so thank- it's been a pleasure having you on Alert Radio today. I thank you for having me, and I want, to la- I want to leave by saying one last thing to all my fellow Greek patriots and all revolutionaries in the world, is to keep fighting patria o muerte, homeland or death. Thank you so much, Aris. Thank you. Our listeners can also check out a film by Costas Gravis uh, called Zed. It was made around 1969, and it covers the real-life events about the assassination of a popular politician by the name of Grigoras Lambrakis, uh, and that uh, he was killed in 1963 by the corrupt generals who were um, controlling Greece at the time. You are listening to Music is the Weapon. I'm André Clément. The South American superpower of Brazil is one country where there is no lack of incredible music. The forro, the bossa nova, and the samba are all genres that originated in this country. As such, modern artists have a diverse and rich musical heritage to source from and be inspired by in coming up with new creations. Artists like the Afro-Brazilian Seu Jorge who have managed to blend many different styles, native to Brazil and beyond, to create a fusion of sounds unlike anything else. Now, Georges sings and writes about many things. Financial inequities in his native country, American imperialism, as well as other social plagues, such as drugs and violence. The first song we'll feature this week is an adaptation from the French performer Serge Gainsbourg and addresses another societal woe that of suicide. This one is entitled Chatterton. Sangi, sangi, sangi. Sangi, sangi, sangi. Chatterton, suicido, God go bad. Suicido, vagas. Bang. Don't want to bang. 
listening to Music is the Weapon, and this week we are featuring Brazilian singer-songwriter Seu Jorge. Seu Jorge grew up in a favela in the region of Baixada Fluminense, near Rio de Janeiro. For those of you who don't know, a favela is essentially a slum where often thousands of people live, with few services such as running water or luxuries like security. It's every man for himself, or in many cases, every child for his or herself, as was portrayed in the critically acclaimed Brazilian film back in 2002, entitled City of God. Seu Jorge, who is also an actor, played an important role in this film. He says of his experience working on the film that it was easy, and that his poverty-stricken childhood was unfortunately more than enough to prepare him for the role. Let's hear what Seu Jorge is talking about. This one is entitled U Sans Favela. Translated, this means I am favela. Ah, favela, nunca foi reduto de marginal. A favela nunca foi reduto de marginal. Ela só tem gente humilde marginalizada. E essa verdade não sai no jornal. A favela é um problema social. A favela é um problema social. Sim, mas eu sou favela. Posso falar de cadeira. Minha gente é trabalhadeira E nunca teve assistência social É, mas só vive lá Porque para o pobre não tem outro jeito Apenas só tem o direito Ao salário de fome uma vida normal A favela é Um problema social A favela é Um problema social a favela nunca foi reduto de marginal A favela nunca foi reduto de marginal Ela só tem gente humilde marginalizada E essa verdade não sai no jornal A favela é um problema social A favela é um problema social Sim, mas eu sou favela e posso falar de cadeira. Minha gente é trabalhadeira e nunca teve assistência social. É, mas só vive lá, porque para o pobre não tem outro jeito. Apenas só tem o direito a um salário de fome, uma vida normal. A favela é um problema social. A favela é um problema social A favela é um problema social A favela é um problema social You are listening to Music is the Weapon and our feature this week on Brazilian artist Seu Jorge. I hope you've been enjoying it. If you would like more information on this performer, go to his website at seujorge.com. Now that's S-E-U-J-O-R-G-E dot com. We're going to finish the profile this week on an upbeat tone. In true Brazilian style, here's one you could dance to. It's entitled Mania de Peatao.
For Music is the Weapon, I'm André Clément.
pegou bem Que vontade de chorar dói Em pensar ela não vem só dói Mas pra mim tá tranquilo eu vou zoar O clima é de partida Toda sequência na vida De bobeira que eu não estou E você sabe como é que é Eu vou Mas poderei voltar quando você quiser Não foi legal, não pegou bem Que vontade de chorar dói Em pensar que ela não vem só dói Mas pra mim tá tranquilo, eu vou zoar O clima é de partida Outra sequência na minha vida E de bobeira que eu não estou E você sabe como é que é Eu vou Poderei voltar quando você quiser Demorou, vai ser melhor Mas no meio da correria eu acho que não deu 
Eu tentando consertar a nossa história Mas sem a sua ajuda não aconteceu Acontece que se fosse esperta E desse tempo ao tempo não seria assim Sugando tudo que tenho de forças Eu já não estou querendo mais você pra mim Infelizmente é assim Termina-se uma história que a gente mal começou Se toma-se cuidado com meus sentimentos Talvez meu coração ainda fosse seu Esse final não me agradou E o nosso entendimento não aconteceu Eu que lutei um dia pra te ter ao meu lado Agora eu te confesso que não quer sou eu Foi eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo O primeiro toque, a primeira atenção Se realmente quer ficar comigo Não faz bola de meia com meu coração Foi eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo O primeiro toque, a primeira atenção se realmente quer ficar comigo Não faz bola de meia com meu coração Tanto tempo, tanto tempo Tanto tempo pra pensar Mas no meio da correria eu acho que não deu Eu tentando consertar a nossa história Mas sem a sua ajuda Não aconteceu Acontece que se fosse esperta E desse tempo ao tempo Não seria assim Sugando tudo que tenho de forças Eu já não estou querendo mais você Pra mim Infelizmente é assim Termina-se uma história Que a gente mal começou Se toma-se cuidado Com meus sentimentos Talvez meu coração Ainda fosse seu Esse final não me agradou E o nosso entendimento Não aconteceu Eu que lutei um dia Pra te ter ao meu lado Agora eu te confesso Quem não quer sou eu foi eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo, o primeiro toque, a primeira canção. Se realmente quer ficar comigo, não faz bola de meia com meu coração. Foi eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo, o primeiro toque, a primeira canção. Se realmente quer ficar comigo. Não faz bola de meia com meu coração Fui eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo O primeiro toque, a primeira canção Se realmente quer ficar comigo Não faz bola de meia com meu coração Fui eu quem te dei o primeiro beijo O primeiro toque, a primeira canção Não faz bola de meia com meu coração
faz bolar de mel com meu coração. Hum, não faz bolar de mel com meu coração. Não faz bolar de meia com meu coração. Não faz bola de meia com meu Well, that was Alert Radio for April 16th, 2009. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeff Hughes, and we hope that you'll come back and join us again next week. Thanks, as usual, to all the people that helped make Alert happen. Nash Soon Walla for the headlines. Karen McIntosh for Around the Left in Seven Days. André Clément for Music is the Weapon. Technical producer, Tommy Allen. And our executive producer, Saigonic. Alert Radio is broadcast on the Canadian Dimension National Radio Network. For today's episode, you can click on www.rabble.ca or go to the Canadian Dimension website for past shows as well as today's show at www.canadiandimension.com. Mm-hmm.